so long, for so long. Gotta get a little light inside. Welcome to another episode of Big Girl Panties. I'm Jennifer Hodugatz. My mother has been living with me for three months now. She wanted to get away and spend time with me and the grandkids. Now, for most people, this is a time when you're going, oh my God, you know, my mother's going to be living with me for three months. But I've learned to have gratitude around it. You see, I haven't had so much time with my mother since I was a kid. And we haven't always had the smoothest relationship. But in my childhood, it was everything a daughter could want. And it really set the groundwork for the woman I am today. Growing up, she was the epitome of a strong, vibrant, independent woman. It was actually everything that I had ever wanted to be when I was a woman. Mm, I've got a crush on someone. It was actually everything that I had ever wanted to be when I was a woman. She was a 5'11", curly blonde with a slender body and beautiful. Kind of a classic beauty and full of grace that you see in the films in the 1950s. But once she spoke, you were aware how off-the-wall goofy she was. My mom still is never afraid to be the outrageous one in the bunch. And actually, she thrives off of it. How's that, Mom? Talk. That's okay. It's kind of weird talking into a huge dildo. I grew up in a house where she would bake, and even though she didn't know how to cook, she tried. One day, after my father made a comment on her cooking, she stood up, said, that was that, and she never cooked again. When did you become a vegetarian? Uh, A few years ago. How many years ago? A few years ago, but now I would say about five years ago. You just bought sheepskin boots. Those are not sheepskin. That's all fake. No, that's sheepskin. It says on the box, 100% authentic sheepskin. But they keep your feet warm. Why didn't you tell me? I mean, really. Because it was written well, no, all over it. No, yeah. it's because, really, Mom, I didn't know that. I told you. I didn't hear you, Jenny. You know, uh, when you know, we got a lot of people walking around and shopping, it's hard for me to hear stuff, especially 100% sheepskin. When it's a big, bold letters on the box. And I didn't have my glasses on either. My mother worked at the local hospital in Oklahoma as a nurse during the day. I remember her moving all over the hospital, working in different units like the psychiatric unit or the burn center. My brother and I would visit her sometimes in the psych unit, and I'd stare at the lithiumed-up manic depressives walking around like zombies, or the multiple cameras watching the other patients in their rooms to make sure they didn't hurt themselves. Most nights, while we were eating dinner, she would tell stories about her day. Stories like skin grafts and details about blisters and having to peel away dead skin layer after layer. Nothing quite like eating chicken as she talks about scorched skin. If you're the child of a nurse, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. She was always up for telling a good elaborate story. Ones that would make you wonder if they were real. Ones that you would remember for days. Stories like this. Do you want to hear the story of Botswana? Yes, give me the story of Botswana. I'm dying. No, you already know 
a lot of it. I told you about Botswana. Yeah, but you got to tell everybody else about Botswana. Okay, I ended up in India, and on the on the riverbank, and because I knew of Botswana, so I went. Who is Botswana? He was a great wise man. Okay, start from there. Okay, filthy. Oh my God, you can almost smell him half a mile away. But I'm telling you, when I got there, he was a very very low-spoken, quiet human being. In fact, he didn't really like to talk very much. But when he did, it was nothing but wisdom. Uh-huh. Jenny, you sit there and smile. but Because he, I don't know where you come up with the information, and every time you start telling the story again, you change it. No. No, his name was Botswani when you started. No, he... No, no, no. Botswana. Botswana is a country. No, Botswani is my <laughs> nickname for him. That's short for Botswana. Botswana is a country, though. You said somebody was from Botswana. Yes, Botswani is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I like to think of him in a big way, so I call him Botswana. I mean, you know, huge, massive amount of people and land. Oh, I thought you were going to say something no, else. No, no, he's... Oh, gosh. No, no, he's a very wise man. Not very much to say, but when he does, it's nothing but wisdom. But he was talking to me, and I told you about this elephant story. Okay. Botswana. I'm not so sure that's his real name now that you tell me it's a country. But anyway. You were talking about, I think, the elephant. Yeah, I, I know what I was talking about. I just like to talk about other things in there. Okay, so anyway, he was telling me elephants communicate via their stomach grumblings. And what happens, he tells me, is that the vibrations from these stomach grumblings travel down their legs into the earth and it communicates with other elephants. They don't have to be right next to the elephant that did it. They can be, you know, ways away. It's the vibrations in the ground that they feel and they're able to communicate with other elephants that way. And, you know, he said that's just another form of communication. I said, how do you know this? And he says, well, when I sit on the ground, that he can feel them. And he notices that they, you know, react to each other's grumblings. And it could be a, a distance, like I said, away, and then another elephant will come. So I said, okay. So that I thought was very wise, but, you know, I don't know if it's true. So um, that was one of his wise things. Or any of it. <laughs> or any of it, right. So then he says, well, you're here to seek wisdom. And I said, you're right. You know, I need all the wisdom I can get, I'm thinking in my head. So he says, okay, see this river? And I was like, yeah, I can see the river. It's right there. And he goes... I want you to give me a bath in it. And I'm thinking, okay. Ew. So um, I proceeded to, he went in the river, he walked in it, and he got about up to his waist in it. And he asked me to wash his hair. So I washed his hair. It was matted in areas and stuff, but I went yeah. ahead and, and did it. No, it really got good and clean. <laughs> and it's it's amazing because the water was kind of like a lot of dirt particles floating around, you know, sitting there. Okay, he's from dirt to dirt. Okay. So anyway, I washed his hair and it took me a while and I got that all good and shiny. And, um, you know, I washed his back, his chest, all of this other stuff, you know, very 
patiently without a word coming out of his mouth. And I'm thinking, you know, in my head, okay, Lisa, what's going on here? So then he sat on the (laughs) side of the river and had his feet in the river. And I washed his feet. Ew. No lie. Do you wash everything? No. Some parts we just had to, you know, think they got washed on their own. (laughs) So anyway, um, he goes, have you learned anything? And I said, I said, yes. And he goes, what did you learn? And I said, plain water. Plain water is enough to get your body clean. You don't need soap. So last Tuesday, my best friend and I went to a holiday party for the transformational company that I'm a part of and that I've done coaching for. We were driving home after the party around 1 a.m. on a four-lane expressway. We were about two miles outside of the Midtown Tunnel that connects Long Island to Manhattan on the Long Island Expressway. And there, the road was clear, except the occasional car. It was, after all, a Tuesday, late at night. We were in the middle lane, and I was in the passenger seat. On our left was a silver SUV slowly passing us. I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw a sedan with smoke coming out of it and one headlight working. The car was lopsided and looking to have lost its driver's side tire. It moved off to the right near the shoulder, but was speeding up. The smoking car passed us, cut us off, and then stopped dead in front of the silver SUV in the left lane. At this point, all three cars were at a standstill. I could see the headlights from the cars behind us approaching and slowing down. At that point, I felt something was terribly wrong. Being in the middle of a four-lane highway at any point in time is never a good thing, and we decided to go around the smoking car and keep going. For the next half mile, we were talking about how weird that incident was and whether or not to call the cops. I looked behind us again and saw the same smoking car that was now on fire catching up to us, going at least 75 miles an hour. If I thought something was wrong before, it was about to get even worse. He again veered right, and I told Chad to avoid him by staying to the left in case the smoking car lost control. But again, instead of pulling off, he turned in front of us, but this time he stopped. We slammed on the brakes to not hit his car. All around our vehicles was thick smoke. We're in the middle of a four-lane highway with the traffic now a thousand feet behind us. The man got out of his car, and as he did, I locked the doors. He was not in distress. He was pissed. He was an average guy, dark short hair, white, nothing outstanding to really talk about. He was perfectly average and was now standing at the front of our car. Get the fuck out of your car! I'm gonna beat your fucking ass! Get the fuck out, bitch! Get the fuck out, you pussy! He was screaming that we had cut him off a ways back and wanted Chad to get out of the car. My first thought was to go forward, but that would hit the guy and possibly kill him. Then I decided to take out my cell phone and act like I was recording to defuse the situation. It didn't work. The maniac decided to go to the driver's side window and yell some more and hit the window in an effort to get to Chad. 
I have my stilettos waiting and everything else I could think of in case I needed to go into battle. It's incredible how time slows down in traumatic experiences. How many thoughts go through your mind in what seems like hours? I quickly looked behind us to check where the oncoming traffic was. It was now a few hundred feet behind us. And at this point, we were surrounded by thick, dark smoke, so you really couldn't see what was coming. And, on the flip side, they couldn't see us. I yelled at Chad to back up and go around, and that's exactly what he did. Visibly shaking, the onset of hyperventilation kicked in. I had never hyperventilated before. I thought that was just in the movies, and here it was happening to me. My mind was saying, You're okay. Everything's okay. You're safe now. Everything's okay. You're safe now. But my body was still reacting in fight or flight and was telling me something completely different. Chad had pulled off at the next exit to check in on me and wait for me to calm down. We saw the fire trucks pass on the expressway as I was guessing he tried once again to catch up to us. I couldn't imagine he could have gotten too far with a car on fire. I was shell-shocked, shaken, and I just wanted to get home to my boys and my mom. For the next 72 hours, at least, I ran the gamut of emotions, anxiety, fear, anger, rage, guilt, sadness, and even depression. I didn't want to drive, I wanted to sleep all the time, and I would cry on a dime. I couldn't talk about it. But the worst of it all for me was the judgment and the guilt I had for feeling any way about the experience. After all, it was really no big deal, and I should just get over it, right? I've been through worse experiences, and I didn't have that kind of reaction. The guilt was about not appreciating what I had had not being in gratitude for all of my experiences currently. Underlying all of this, the one instant place I went to in the midst of the chaos was gratitude. You see, gratitude set in real quick. Why does something so jarring need to happen in your life to have gratitude for what you do have? That's including the minutia. In those scary moments, I was grateful for the ability to ever hug and kiss my boys to ever be able to drive a car, to even be in that predicament, to have a house, to have toilet paper, running water. In those moments, I would have given anything I could to have heard another of my mom's crazy stories about Botswana, to laugh or cry about something, to experience the ups and downs of life, anything. I got another reminder to be present and be grateful for all of life's experiences including the one you have now to have ears to listen to this podcast. Or for me, it's being able to record at this very moment. What are you focused on presently? Is it ridiculous bullshit that in the end means nothing? Or is it gratitude? As always, I encourage you to get out there, put on your big girl panties, and connect with your world. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook. Until next time, this is Jennifer Ho-Dugatz. We're all bound by certain forces, the same as anyone. Step out of the shadows, my little one. There's a change is surely coming, a will that will be done. Step out of the shadows, 
my little one. Will you step out of the shadows, my little one?